The following Dharma talk was given at Common Ground Meditation Center in Minneapolis, Minnesota. So the title of this talk, that I'll, the words that I'll offer, the pattern in the words that I'll offer, I called it the art of Sangha. Um, the art of Sangha or maybe the art of community. And there, if you know anything about Buddhism, you don't even have to know very much about Buddhism, but there are a lot of lists in Buddhism. It's easy to pick one of very many lists and just kind of work your way through it and uh, understand a little bit more that way. But there aren't any lists about Sangha that I know of. So the art of Sangha seemed fitting because it's really not um, what we do here as a community uh, is not something that is linear. It involves the messiness of humanness. Sangha is a creative process of stops and starts that can include engagement in the interest of harmony or engagement in the interest of working for equity or justice even. And along the way, Sangha community often includes hurts. The art of creating and maintaining Sangha is like the art of living and loving. One of my all-time favorite authors, J. California Cooper, there's a poem she wrote in a book called Some Love, Some Pain, Some Time. And after I picked this quote, I thought I could have just called this talk that. Some, come on in, Dharma Corps. Some love, some pain, some time. So this from J. California Cooper. Love entered in my heart one day, a sad, unwelcomed guest. But when it begged that it might stay, I let it stay and rest. It broke my nights with sorrowing. It filled my heart with fears. And when my soul was prone to sing, it filled my eyes with tears. But now that it has gone its way, I miss the dear old pain. And sometimes in the night I pray that love might come again. I just love that back and forth between love and pain. And it really speaks to me about what this is that we do in the relational field with each other and here at Common Ground in our community, not just at Common Ground, but I'll be speaking mostly about community here at Common Ground tonight or in spiritual communities. So why do we even care about community? Aren't we just here for mindfulness and we can do that by ourselves, right? But actually, the Buddha talked a lot about community or Sangha. In fact, he said that Sangha was 100% of the holy life. That's a pretty big statement. And we also know by reading his the stories of how the Buddha taught, the suttas we might call them or they're called, we can see that the, the Buddha often begins his sutta by asking the people that were there just to get, questioning them a little bit to get a sense of where they were at. And then he often, he gave a talk or said some words based on where they were at so he could change. So you could just see in the way he taught that community was important. The way we are with each other, what we take in from each other is important. 
and how we take that in. The Buddha named Sangha as one of the three refuges. The three things, like the Buddha narrowed it down to three things that are worthy of taking refuge in. And Sangha is one of them. So the Buddha, or this quality of knowing, the one who knows, Dhamma is the second one, or the way things are. And then Sangha is the community, or sometimes it's translated to an assembly, assembly of people. Um, in the, when the Buddha taught, it was, he was often talking to monastics. So Sangha in that way meant monastics. But here, we're a community of lay practitioners. So Sangha is just a way of talking about our community, but also about the beautiful qualities of the heart and mind that we see in each other. So more evidence that community was important to the Buddha. He set up a system when he had monastic, when he set up monastic communities, he set up a system of interdependence between those who were living as monks and nuns and the lay community. So the monks and nuns would train in a very specific way, um, renouncing a lot of what it means to live in the world and just simplifying life so that they could study and practice and teach. And then those who weren't monks and nuns would support them by offering them food. So the monks and nuns could only eat if they were offered food. That's a serious inter- that's a serious system, isn't it? It's like there's a lot of faith that of um, there's a lot of faith that that it would work, but there's also a lot of faith in the idea that we are interdependent, that we need each other. And specifically, we need each other for spiritual deepening or freedom. And this from the Buddha. Monastics householders are very helpful to you, he said, as they provide you with the requisites of robes, alms food, lodging, and medicine. And you, monastics, are very helpful to householders as you teach them the Dhamma, admirable admirable in the beginning, admirable in the middle, and admirable in the end, as you expound the holy life, both in its particulars and in its essence, entirely, entirely complete, surpassingly pure. In this way, the holy life is lived in mutual dependence, for the purpose of crossing over the flood, for making a right end to suffering and stress. It's pretty clear. And like I said, although the Buddha was speaking to ordained people a lot of the time, monastics, we are a Sangha right here at Common Ground. Common ground wouldn't actually be common ground without us. So if our spiritual practice, our freedom, 
is influenced by our spiritual home, common ground, then our freedom is dependent on common ground in some way. Our freedom collectively is dependent on us, on each of us. So you're a part of my awakening, and I'm a part of yours. We need each other, because there's a lot that we see in our relationship with with each other about the mind and, and where we still need to grow. I've read this quote a few times already when I've given these talks, so forgive me if you've heard it, but I, I have this banner hanging up in the room where my God could stay when they spend the night, and it, it just is from Mother Teresa, and it simply says, if we have no peace, it's because we've forgotten that we belong to each other. So it really matters that we come here to practice, to sit together. It matters that we come here to talk and to laugh and to share our lives with each other too. We are a community. And even if this is your first time here, you are part of the community now just for showing up. There's no membership at Common Ground. There's no fees or there's no dues to pay. You just show up and you get to be a part of Common Ground. I am about to start a big endeavor. I was invited and accepted to participate in a four-year teacher training. So that begins in August. So I've been thinking a lot about, well, before I said yes to doing that, um, I thought a lot about why I would say yes to do that. And one of the things that came up right away was getting to spend time with a cohort of 17 other Dharma students for over the course of four years and build relationships, building another community. And that felt very uh, important and like alone that would have been enough. So thinking about like what responsibility, what is my responsibility to community to this community, to that new community that I'm about to be a part of. And sometimes I can feel so, hmm, I can feel the responsibility of being a part of this with you so strongly. And maybe some of you feel like this too, that it just makes me want to show up to be my best self. I want to practice right speech and right action. I want to be careful and a little cautious with how I am and what I say. I want to be of service and I want to accept, I want to be a gracious receiver of your gifts too in community as we do this thing together. And something else from the Buddha. They who have understanding and great wisdom do not think of harming, of harming themselves or another, nor of harming both alike. They rather think of their own welfare, of that of others, of that of both, and of the welfare of the whole world. In that way, one shows understanding and great wisdom. So how do we show up? in Sangha, and community. 
what can we learn about how to do that from the Buddhist teachings, from our experience in spiritual community together? What we do is important here. It's important that we show up. It's important that we practice wholeheartedly when we're here. It's important that we show up in a way that allows other people to practice. And at Common Ground, it's also important that we share in some of the responsibilities, like um, Kevin is a program host tonight. He was here half an hour early and greeted people, and he'll have some announcements and is kind of holding space for all of us to be here. And we have a whole team of people that manage the audio system and people that come and help out arranging the room and sweeping the floors and cleaning the bathrooms and digging out the dandelions and, and so on. A lot of things. People who volunteer in the office. And all that is really important. And it's not the only thing that's important. So it's important what we do. Just simply showing up is a good example of what we do. Just show up here. But it's also important how we show up. It's like pointing to the difference between the breath and our relationship to the breath, right? So like the breath might be showing up and our relationship might be to the breath. How we relate to the breath in a single moment might be like our relationship too. Like how we show up here. In fact, like I said, what we do is important, but how we do it is, I would say, is everything. So how did we show up tonight? Did we show up in a way that represents our best self, our best effort to be here, to be awake, no matter what we're going through, with reverence for ourselves and each other? Did we show up with an understanding that our presence matters, that we matter to each other? And what about our intentions behind our actions? Even simply the intention to show up. We can start being aware of our intentions and also understand if they're grounded in reality. So we do, do we sit among, among each other tonight with wholesome intentions or self-centered intentions? Like only we would know that, right? But that also matters. So it matters being here, but it matters what our intentions are that have gotten us here. I hear the phrase, stay woke, a lot during the day of my life. It's an, uh, maybe an urban phrase. You could look it up in the Urban Dictionary online, give you a nice definition of what it means. But you hear it a lot. I've heard it a lot among activists and organizers um, as a call to not be deluded about what's happening in our world. Right? Seems fair. No matter where it comes from, it seems fair. And stay woke is derived from stay awake. And as practitioners, meditation practitioners, we know something about staying awake. We try to stay awake through a sit. Right? <laughs> we practice because we want to be awake in our lives. We want to be around. We want to be here for whatever's happening. And we can also stay woke to our intentions, to the quality of our presence, 
in a community. We can stay awake to the quality of our presence even when greed, hatred, or delusion creeps in. We can know that that's there, and and at those times we can make a decision to be a little more careful and a little more cautious. Like if we showed up tonight with good intentions, but notice when we got here that we're kind of cranky and a little bit frustrated or whatever, some agitation in the mind. Then the next time we open our mouth, even maybe in the introduction, we can just be careful of how we say what we say so that we're taking care of each other. So what does it mean to take refuge in Sangha? The Buddha named three things worthy of taking refuge in. The Buddha, the Dhamma, the Sangha. You can call that the, the triple gem. So when we take refuge at Sangha, we honor the assembly of practitioners, people on the path just like us. We see the beautiful qualities of the heart represented in each other. It's nice to use our awareness practice to do that. And especially when we're talking with someone that, I mean, I do this so often. It's good practice. I'm talking with someone, and I recognize that we have a different view. And so then I start looking for beautiful qualities of the heart and mind that could that could bring the mind, my mind, back into some balance. Taking, taking refuge is an active role, a role that we practice and train in. Much like at Common Ground, we practice and train in generosity. The center has operated on donations since its inception. There's a lot of faith that went into establishing and maintaining, not just establishing, but also maintaining a model like that. And it really stays that way because it is a practice and not a rule or a law of how much you should give and when you should give it. But we all get to practice this as a training. Like what feels the right amount? And maybe I'm in a place just to receive right now and can that be okay? And what do I have to give and what do I want to give? And knowing when to put things down when it's not the right time anymore, when life circumstances shift. It's all part of the training. So taking refuge in Sangha can also be an active training, like an active training of how we learn to be in relationship with each other, how we learn to talk and listen, how we learn to bring uh, the kind of respect that we all need in order to feel safe and welcome here, safe enough. And creating a container of safety or protection, something that uh, we do together to hold space for each other to practice here, is a way of, um, is, is like, uh, maybe I just said this, is a, is a kind of container. So we're all sort of doing that in the way that we do when we show up and talk and listen and act. It just kind of happens, right? So we can use some, um, guidelines to help frame it for us so that we have something to work with. And one of the things that we use at Common Ground to frame our integrity, our 
ethical practice as human beings with each other are the precepts. And the precepts are uh, a list of five trainings that we can take up. And um, once a quarter, we read them together here at Common Ground during one of the morning practice groups. And every time you attend a day-long program or a half-day program or a residential retreat or go out to the retreat property, we agree, we recite these together so that we're establishing again and again a container that feels safe enough to practice here. And the precepts are really, like I said, just um, a list of five trainings on the topic of non-harming. I'll just read them. Number one, I undertake the training to refrain from destroying living creatures. And it's translated a couple of different ways. Sometimes it's just stated killing. But destroying living creatures, really, when I read that, I was like, oh, there's something more uh, really active about that, destroying. I undertake the precept to refrain from taking that which is not given, so stealing. I undertake the precept or the training to refrain from sexual misconduct, and not acting out my sexual energy and spiritual places where people are vulnerable and looking inward. I undertake the training to refrain from incorrect speech. And that's more than lying. So we get to play with that and consider what else it might be. Right? It could be idle chatter or it could be um, sarcasm or making a joke at the wrong time. The law of karma reminds us that actions based on skillful intentions lead to happiness, while actions based on unskillful intentions lead to suffering, which is why it is important to reflect on our intentions even before we take action. As part of our commitment to non-harming, Mark and Gabe, where is Gabe? Gabe. (laughs) Mark and Gabe and I, the administrative team at Common Ground have been um, talking quite about quite a bit about the center and its programs and how, as an organization, we can be more inclusive uh, and more accessible to the queer, transgender, genderqueer, gender nonconforming communities that practice here at Common Ground. So we've heard from beloved community members right here that it hurts to be misgendered. For example, someone might use gender-neutral pronouns like they, them, or ze, here, or others might use he, him, or she, her. But people often regard you with the wrong one. Right? So either way, and being misgendered is painful. It's a little microaggression, and it hurts. And if that happens again and again, then it can lead to feeling like it's hard to be here. So one simple way to be supportive as a rule is not to assume gender, but to ask. For example, I might say to Gabe, hey Gabe, I'm Shelly. <laughs> What's your name? I'm Gabe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I just 
This is kind of what you get when you get me up here saying funny things like, hey, Gabe, and then asking for his name. <laughs> what pronouns do you use? I use he, him, or they, them. Cool. Thanks. I use they, them, but I'm really okay if people mess up and say she, her. Um, I feel like I can be a, um, a good pra practice person for people who want to try to get it right, but might mess up a lot. Cool. Thanks. <laughs> so it could be that, that simple. So this is this little practice of introductions. We have asked, um, we just recently asked all of the teachers and community group facilitators here to practice uh, offering people the opportunity to name the pronouns that they use as part of their introductions and groups. Just a very simple way of practicing right speech and putting right speech in action. It really comes out of compassion that we've made this encouragement. And then another way that we've taken up a training to practice right speech and right action. Not long ago, about 30 leaders and teachers, mostly teachers and board members and other leaders, um, participated in a 10-week anti-racism study and dialogue course. It was about four hours a day for once a week for 10 weeks. So it was a big deal, but it, was, it really was born out of our intention to um, learn more, to, to uh, grow in understanding and, and help make uh, this place more accessible to people of color. When we make small mistakes with our language, they might seem like small mistakes, but if we're the recipient of those small mistakes again and again and again, it starts to leave people feeling alienated or disrespected or disregarded. So just a small effort that we can make in that direction. So creating Sangha, the art of creating Sangha, or what you get from being part of Sangha. And there are a number of tools or resources at our fingertips to help us, but still we are human and it is inevitable that even with our best efforts, we will hurt each other. So we also get to practice forgiveness. All these things we get to practice with each other. <laughs> On a very basic level, we get to be there for each other. But we also get to practice being brave and speaking our truth when the truth of our experience will help all of us take steps forward as learners. We get to practice walking through hurt and conflict as practice. And in fact, there's an, an Ethics and Reconciliation Committee that's, that Common Ground has um, for our use. If um, we have trouble resolving our conflict on our own, we can always access that group. And we have an advisory board, James Beres, Kamala Master, Steve Armstrong, Joseph Goldstein are all on the advisory board. Mostly Mark reaches out to them if he has questions or things that he wants to be advised on. We also have an advisory committee that is comprised of people from varying communities, backgrounds, 
um, to help us, the administration, see what we don't see and learn how to be more accessible. Other ways, like at the beginning of every Buddhist studies class, we recite the refuges and precepts, just to, uh, just to, not the precepts, just the refuges, just to remind us um, of what we're here for and the importance of what we're doing. So my dream for this community right now, I read this beautiful thing from the Buddha, and I'm just going to read it one more time. Practitioners, this assembly, Sangha, I said, is often referred to as assembly. So practitioners, this assembly is free from idle chatter, devoid of idle chatter, and is established on pure heartwood. Such is this community of practitioners. Such is this assembly. The sort of assembly that is worthy of gifts, worthy of hospitality, worthy of offerings, worthy of respect, and incomparable field of merit for the world. Such is this community of practitioners. Such is this assembly. The sort of assembly to which a small gift, when given, becomes great, and a great gift, greater. Such is this community of practitioners. Such is this assembly. The sort of assembly that is rare to see in the world. Such, such is this community of practitioners. Such is this assembly. The sort of assembly that it, that it would be worth traveling for leagues, taking along provisions in order to see. Yeah. Isn't that a beautiful, beautiful wish for our community? So I have a few minutes for questions or comments. Thank you for your time and attention and good listening. And you don't have to ask questions. You can just say something. Get your voice in the space. Anything you want. We'll rove a mic around for you. And we, rec- we are recording this, so just know that. Avoid saying your name. So um, I think a lot about Sangha and what this community has meant to me. Um, I started coming here about 11 years ago, and um, I just feel super grateful because I just think in life, you, you know, you can't always choose your friends. Like, you think you can. You're sort of under this illusion, like, I'm going to be friends with that person, and then you... But really, it's it's just because you're in that place at that time and have that feeling and that motivation and that person somehow becomes your friend and I think this just feels like a safe place to accidentally meet a lot of cool people and just be friends with them and it's gonna it's gonna work out um and I watch my parents who you know they're in like retirement age or getting ready to retire and they they're kind of rootless they're just moving from state to state just because they don't have this so my dad lives in Texas, but my mom has moved in like seven seven times, and they don't really have a sangha. And my my dad is a sangha. Uh, he lives in Texas, so his sangha they're all Republicans. So, 
which is again the detriment of not having the right sangha. Um, sorry, um, but yeah, I just I kind of think about in the future, like when I grow old, you know, I, these are the people I want to grow old with, and I, I want to learn from from all of you. Even the ones I haven't met, I just know like when we wind up in some small group or even if we run into each other at the grocery store, which has happened a lot, it, it, there's just an instant like learning and bonding and feeling of love. And that's just that's all because of this container. And, and I just really appreciate you bringing that bringing that out t- tonight because it, it just really tapped into something I, I'm feeling. Thank you, Kevin. I mean, it really is true. Like, we, we make this what it is in every way. Like, Common Ground started with a couple of people sitting in a living room. And then that was, a long, that was in 93. And now it's this, right? And it's only this because of us. Right? People who have a good idea and the energy to follow through with it, show up, practice, do things without us, there would be no common ground. Yeah, it's a big deal. (laughs) Thanks. There's a question right there. I'm Nancy. One of my greatest pleasures in the world is talking to people I never laid eyes on before. And it it just it's not always a relationship that I want to develop and keep for the rest of my life. But it is a a way of making connection with another person on this pinprick in the universe that we're occupying together. And it gives me so much pleasure, I almost feel selfish about it. (laughs) I have another question right here. Kind of along the same um, vein, you know, I tell people, people say, why do you go to a meditation center? And I say, because it's a spiritual community where you don't have to talk to anybody where if you don't want to. So <laughs> I'm kind of like Shelly. I get very nervous sometimes. Um, but also I have found myself just in this vein. Recently, um, my work situation has changed a lot recently and some other things. And um, I have found myself reaching out to a lot of people that... I've known over the years who I've kind of lost contact with. My wife says I'm collecting all my safe people together. Mm. And that's kind of reminiscent of of what you were saying. All the good, decent people that I've met over the years that I really, I don't want to lose just because my job is changing. Mm. Um, And that's been a really important and meaningful thing to me in this vein. Thank you, Eric. Sorry. (laughs) I appreciate that. It's also important to acknowledge that, you know, in a, in a big community like is Common Ground, it's, it's not easy for all of us to find our people. Like, we all have stuff that 
most of us anyway, probably have stuff that we think, you know, other people might not understand or it might not be easy, that easy to c connect around. So we, you know, I do this, like I look for my people, right? I'm queer, so I often look for my queer community. And I was really, when my friend Scotty said that Dharma Corps was coming in, I was a little nervous, but immediately I felt like, oh, my people will be there and how nice is that, right? So part of taking up some of these trainings around pronouns or anti-racism work and whatever that, whatever else that we choose to do, is so that we can uh, be more awake in community with each other and um, broaden the range of people that we can see when we need to see our people. Um, my name is Charlie, and I just have a comment. Um, a surprising experience I had with with Sangha. Um, when I I did a, a week long retreat uh, last summer, and probably the most powerful part of it, unexpectedly, I mean, there was uh, it was great to be sitting all day and really quieting the mind and. Um, you know, having experiences of insight and stuff. But I think what was the best thing about it was coming together with a hundred or so people most of us had never met before. We had no chance to talk to each other except for like a tiny bit at the very beginning and a few tiny places um, to ask when we were asking questions. But we weren't really talking to each other, more to a teacher. And... um but just this amazing sense of community just emerged and because we were all kind of doing this experience together and creating the creating this container as as Shelley mentioned um that we all were contributing to and sort of supporting each other and at the end of the retreat it was like you know then we did have the chance to talk and um and it was just this like flow of just appreciation and uh never experienced anything quite like it um and it was also it didn't have to do with our personalities although maybe if we got more chances to show our personalities that would have interrupted this flow but <laughs> um but it was still just this amazing thing and i do i i get i i um, I get that feeling here as well. It's just so nice to come and sort of, as I've, I've been coming very regularly for a couple, almost two years now, and just coming and having that sort of routine and that space that gets created. Um, and, um, and where you, you know, if you choose, you don't have to express your personality and you can just sit or if you can't, if you want to connect with people, those possibilities are there. Um, so anyways, that's my, uh, long winded way of saying thank you all. <laughs> thank you, Charlie. Isn't it amazing what happens can happen even in silence? It's amazing that feeling of intimacy that comes after a day of silence together or a few hours of silence together.
And if, if you've been on retreat before, then you, you probably know that. Nod your head if that resonates with you. Any other questions or reflections? Anybody want to speak to their experience and community? Pass that back, please. He's coming for it. Hi, everyone. I'm Chad. It's great to be here. It's been a while since I've been here. It's um, really nice to come to a place where it feels like the us versus them starts to melt away in society lately. Everywhere I look, it's us versus them, us versus them. Whether it's politics, gender, race, whatever, us and them. And it's just really nice to be at a place where it's just us and, um, and we're not feeling that tension all the time. So I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for participating by sharing and asking after you spent a long time listening to me. This talk, like all programs at Common Ground, is offered freely in the spirit of generosity. To learn more about Common Ground and its programs, or if you would like to donate, please visit our website, www.commongroundmeditation.org. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.